0: hello everyone i'm steampunk link and allow me to welcome you to the year 2020 2020. that's right it's a brand new decade and in this new decade emmy zero and i are on a mission a mission to build our audience and we're hoping that you our current audience can help us out with that the simplest thing you can do to help us spread the word is to well spread the word if you have any friends who might like what we do as much as you do then why not tell them about us Also, if you happen to be listening to us on a podcast app that allows for such things, consider leaving us a positive review or ranking. You can also check us out on Podchaser.com and leave us a review there. Podchaser is kind of like IMDb for podcasts, and lots of people use it to help them find new things to listen to. Finally, you can follow me, Steampunk Link, on Instagram and Twitter at SNEScapades. That's S-N-E-S-C-A-P-A-D-E-S. We've got some pretty big plans for 2020, and that's probably the best way to find out about them right away. For those of you who are already here, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We honestly can't thank you enough for being here. Here's to a bigger, better SNEScapades in 2020. Have a nice decade. Welcome to another episode of Snescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo library three games at a time we play them briefly judge them harshly and rank them and that is pretty much all you need to know i am steve bug link and i'm emmy zero coming at you through the magic of mode
1: seven twisting your perspective so that you see things in a different way oh, oh my god I,
0: emmy I, th- I think you need to see a chiropractor for that that is that that looks uncomfortable the way it does
1: not feel good it feels very bad um yeah i i I think I need help
0: with this. One. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait. wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, hang on. Let me let me see let me see if if, if we can um, let me see if I can do something here really quick. How's that?
1: Uh, I can't feel my eyes,
0: but that's probably fine. Okay. Well, I mean you don't need to feel them to, to see, right? I guess we'll find out. Okay. All right. Well anyway, some other things we're gonna find out today. How are these three games that, that we're covering today? We've got Axley, we've got F1 ROC, Race of Champions. That's actually the title. That's the whole title of the game. It is. They could have just gone with the Japanese title, which I believe was Exhaust Heat or something like that. And then finally, we got Faceball 2000. Yeah. Futuristic Year of 2000. That's right. The distant future. Remember when everybody was putting 2000 at the end of things to make them sound futuristic?
1: Yeah, that, uh, that worked less and less well as we got closer to that actual year, I feel like. So, yeah, uh, these games, I think the the unintentional common theme of these games is that they're all trying to kind of push some, some very different uh, graphical effects. We'll see how that works out for each of these games individually. Let's go ahead and jump right into talking about Axelay here.
0: Yeah, I've got an to grind with this game.
1: Ooh, oh no. Uh, that sounds spicy. Do you have any any uh you know history or or uh you know information about the background of this game that that you'd like to share?
0: Um not really. Konami did this one. They made it specifically for the Super NES, so it doesn't really have any roots in The arcade or anything like that. The uh, music of the game was done by Taro Kudo, who is the sound designer for Castlevania 4. So, you know, uh, music is pretty good in this game, we'll say.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, I think he was pretty used to working with the Super Nintendo's sound hardware for sure at this point. One thing I I did that did pop out at me uh when I was reading about this game is uh one of the the kind of uh planning directors one of the the programmers on this game uh was one of the the people that left to form Treasure. Oh yeah, you're right. Yes. And uh I think you can definitely see a little bit of of that treasure spirit in this game just not quite fully formed but there's some some pretty audacious graphical stuff going on in this that feels feels quite treasury to
0: me. Yep, yeah. So this is the uh first scrolling shooter to feature horizontal and vertical shooter levels. I'm not sure if it's the only one on the Super NES, but uh... I
1: suspect there are probably
0: other ones. Yeah, it it kind of uh switches off between
1: levels uh the the perspective and the Horizontal scrolling levels um, are look pretty much like what you'd expect, but the vertically scrolling levels uh, have a very unusual graphical effect going on. There's kind of a a curved, uh, almost like a fisheye lens look to to the stages so it kind of looks like you're constantly moving forward towards a horizon that's an interesting effect it's very striking looking this is a very pretty game
0: i was kind of thinking of it as like uh maybe you were supposed to be like looking at the curvature of whatever planet you were flying over like yeah right maybe just on the horizon i
1: think that's what the idea is works for that and it does sometimes lead to some kind of neat things like the first level has some areas where you know the scrolling speeds up and you have to maneuver your way through these canyons that are sort of coming at you and, and that feels that feels interesting that feels kind of visceral and dynamic with this perspective than I think it would otherwise the stages are also fairly big horizontally even in these vertically level vertical levels so you can move left and right and kind of encounter different things in your path um, though it is a scrolling shooter so you're always moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Mode 7 trick in those uh, vertically scrolling levels is needed first, but I think the, the effect wears off pretty quickly, and then what you're left with is just having less real estate to maneuver around the screen, and also because the, the enemies are kind of doing that same curvature thing, you're not seeing them until there are a certain... Ways down the screen for the most part, so you just have less time to react.
1: It's pretty frustrating in a lot of places, for
0: sure. And re- really, that just brings me to my overall point. That, like, this game is just feels really brutal and is... Yeah. Like, in, in a way that makes it not as fun to play, especially in the horizontal... um Or, sorry, in the vertical level. For sure. In the horizontal levels, I, I found it a lot more fun to play and a lot more forgiving, just because I had more time to react and everything else.
1: I, I definitely felt like that unusual perspective in, the, in the, the vertical levels was was really kind of getting in the way of me playing the game effectively in a lot of places. And the game is really hard. It has pretty lengthy stages and mini bosses and and different kinds of enemy and uh, any enemy layouts and, and like stage hazards. It's just a very challenging game in a way that we've kind of dinged some Konami games in the past for being just unreasonably hard to the point where they sort of get in the way of letting you enjoy the really good graphics and sound that Konami games tend to have. Uh, I think that was pretty much our main problem with Legend of the Mystical Ninja, where it was just, like, brutally difficult in a way it absolutely didn't need to be. Um, and then kind of the same thing's going on here. I, in particular... I feel like the power up system in this game is sort of really frustrating, just because it almost feels more like a power down system than anything else.
0: Yeah, you're you're not wrong. Basically, you
1: start each level with uh, a screen where you can pick a loadout of of different weapons, and you you unlock more weapons as you as you move through the game. But uh, you always have three slots basically that each have a weapon in them, and what this game does is is each time you get hit you lose whichever weapon you're currently using. You will die if either your ship actually like makes contact with an enemy or uh, if you get hit again once you've lost all those. But what that means is that you're always getting options taken away from you. It's really frustrating to sort of start uh, an area with all of your weapons and then be down to whatever you can make work with, like, the, the last weapon you have for, like, the last, like, third of the stage or whatever, because you've gotten hit a couple of times. Like, that doesn't feel good. And it ends up making the, the levels feel harder as they go along in a way that I just, I don't think is is conducive to to actually enjoying this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's meant to be sort of a mercy mechanic to, to kind of alleviate the problem of, like, one hit and you're dead, but...
1: Yeah, but I mean, it... Could have just been a life bar, though. I mean,
0: really. It, yeah, yeah. I don't disagree at all with what you said. I mean, when you kind of are just left down to your pea shooter, it, you might as well just go crash into something because you're not going to be able to make a lot of progress with that. Um, and, I mean, there's there's some enemy formations again, especially in that first level, that just feel like they were designed around the fact that like, oh, you need this weapon to clear them out.
1: Yeah, like you have one weapon that you start with these these two streams of bullets that you can kind of sweep up and down the sides of your your ship. And there are enemy groups that will just form around you in a ring in that first level that you absolutely need to have that weapon in order to take out. So if you don't have that weapon at that point, um, you're probably just gonna die.
0: This also gets into another thing that I don't like about the game is that you only have the three... Weapons to start with, and you earn the rest of them by going through levels. But like that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why not just give the player all of the weapons and let them tinker around and see what loadouts they like? Like that's how most of these games work. We've played several other games that do that, and it works fine. Like, right? And
1: also, it like it just feels like this is missing something in terms of like, like I kind of wish that you could get power-ups in the stages. There's no special weapon drops. There's no uh extra lives you can earn as far as I can tell.
0: Yeah, not really. I-, I think I earned an extra life for beating the first level.
1: But I mean that's sort of a different thing. Like I wish there were drops like within the stage because it does end up making a lot of these stages feel like kind of a little bit more grueling than I think they should be. I mean, I say a lot of these stages. The truth is, this game is hard enough that I never made it out of the first stage. So I, I can't really speak to you know what it feels like to play some of the later levels in this. And I wish I could, because this is a beautiful game. Uh, this is a game with really great graphics and a lot of really great detailing. The second level, the first horizontally scrolling one, you're shooting your way through this Gundam-esque like space colony, where the colony is kind of this big sort of cylinder that you're flying through and you can see like on the kind of rotating back wall of the colony behind you is these sort of like forests and buildings and stuff as far as i can tell that background doesn't repeat it's like you are actually going through you know a a scrolling background there with different stuff in it it's really cool looking and i just wish that the actual game was as fun to play as it is to look at
0: The game opens on what looks like a locket of a guy and his his wife and his two kids, which is sort of like hinting maybe at a story that really isn't surfaced at all through the game itself. Not really, no. Uh, or at least I, didn't, I don't think it was. Maybe I hit the start button too fast and didn't let the game go into an attract mode.
1: There is a re- relatively lengthy opening sort of cutscene, I guess, that shows the locket, and then it shows like... This alien invasion force coming into this system, people fighting back, and it tells you that, like, you know, the entire sort of defense fleet for this, fighting these alien invaders has been wiped out, and the only ship left is your ship, the Axel-A. They do show, like, a guy in, like, a, you know, a pilot's helmet flying the ship that I guess... Oh, okay, okay. I, I guess you're supposed to assume is the guy with the locket, but I don't think they ever show that, but that's that's pretty much what this game has in terms of story. Uh, it's well-produced, though, just like everything else in this game. It's very pretty to look at. It's
0: not as fun as it probably could have been with a few tweaks, and, and maybe if the thing had just been a horizontally scrolling shooter instead of switching between the two. Frankly,
1: I would be happy losing the weird sort of curvature effect in the vertical stages and just having them be regular vertically scrolling shooter stages, because I think that would really kind of alleviate some of the frustration. But, you know, it's in its way ambitious, but in other ways, kind of not that well thought out, unfortunately. I mean,
0: on the one hand, like, these kind of shooters are known for being pretty difficult for the most part. And I think that, you know, the folks who made them probably know, okay, our fans are gluttons for punishment. So, you know, know. if that's what you're looking for, then, you know, I mean, you could probably do a lot worse than this game. It, It was
1: hard enough that I kind of just got frustrated with it.
0: Yeah, I'm not really encouraged to play the game anymore. I'm definitely not encouraged to try the hidden challenge that requires you to beat the game on its hardest difficulty setting multiple times to get the secret message that Konami put in there. The secret message just being that Axle 2 is coming soon, and... Uh,
1: that was a lie! No,
0: actually, it wasn't. <laughs> that did not happen, yeah. I'll be charitable. I-, I won't say it was a lie. I'll just say, like, their-, their plans changed, let's say, when the game didn't sell as well as they were hoping. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, uh, do we want to go over to the list and maybe see where this one lands?
1: Looking at the list, you know, obviously we, we like to... If we can use other games in the same genre as sort of touchstones for for games,
0: yeah, a, a jumping off point, if you will. Do you think
1: that Strike Gunner STG or maybe and Trad would be a good good place to start with this one? Oh my God, the list is getting so big. I have to ask, what is, what place was that? So Strike Gunner STG is at number forty three, ah. and and Trad is at forty eight. Um, so very kind of both middle of the pack games, yeah. Um, and those are both vertical shooters. We do have some horizontal shooters in here as well, but in general, actually, the horizontal shooters that we've played have scored much higher with us than uh, than the verticals.
0: I mean, I, I think the system is just better suited to them for one thing.
1: Yeah, because I, I would not personally put this in the same league as, uh, well, certainly not Un Squadron, but also not Gradius Three or uh you know Darius twin
0: honestly like I think I liked strike gunner STG a lot better than this game but I'm also the weirdo who just kind of liked the the sort of Zenness of strike gunner stG which which I will admit is probably not what a lot of people are looking for in this type of game
1: I mean I I will say I find strike gunner STG pretty repetitive and I think that probably given the choice between, that game's sort of long but relatively like kind of pleasant and playable levels and the light show of of Axelay even with its its difficulty I probably would go for Axelay it's more ambitious and even if it did frustrate me I did like looking at and, and hearing it more than I liked Strike Gunner STGs but you know maybe that means that these games are kind of evenly placed and we could probably put Axelay either above or below Strike Gunner like kind of right above or below it, and I'd be okay with it.
0: I'll be. Do you think it belongs above Hyperzone?
1: I, I will say at least half of Axelay. You know the the horizontal stages. I would say is is probably a big step up over Hyperzone, but you do have to get through the other stages to get to it.
0: But I would say like Hyperzone, the the mode seven effects in that game weren't actively working against it. Like I think the mode seven works there. Yeah. I just think that the game it's like you know, the game just doesn't work in spite of that, whereas like with, with um Axel A, it almost doesn't work because of it.
1: Yeah, that is true. So I mean in that sense, yeah, Hyperzone is a more effective tech showcase than Axel A, just because it's not getting in the way of it.
0: I guess, you know, like if if I could play Hyperzone instead of the vertically scrolling levels and then and then play the horizontal levels just as they were. I, I think you got a you got a great game right there. That's
1: a pretty good game, yeah. You know, I would say maybe we put Hyperzone above Axle just because you know, despite the fact that there are parts of Axle that that seemingly work better the, the whole game is sort of compromised by those vertical levels
0: yeah it's almost got like the the super ghouls and ghosts problem where like it, it puts all of its best content kind of behind a first level that's really brutally difficult i, I definitely i definitely don't think it falls below paperboy 2 because like production values alone like this game just oh yeah like, yeah for knocks sure. paperboy 2 uh, uh you know knocks him off his friggin bike absolutely or her bike or
1: her bike that's right paperboy or papergirl neither of them can stand up to the force of the Axle a <laughs> right um I would be comfortable putting Axelay between Hyperzone and Paperboy 2.
0: Okay, so our new number 45? Yes. All right, so congratulations, Axelay, you're our new number 45.
1: Yeah, well, let's uh, Axelay this burden down and
0: uh, jump into a car, do some racing. How does that sound? That sounds great to me.
1: f1 roc race of champions do i have that right
0: yeah uh not sure what roc could possibly stand for maybe i'm not even supposed to like spell it out like that maybe it's just rock f1 rock yeah it's like a part of the car like i mean like i wouldn't know somebody could be all like oh yeah it goes right under the suspension circuit boards you just turn the self-sealing phalanges counterclockwise and then that's where The Rock is. I don't know how cars work, you guys. I have no idea. What is a car, even? Is it a kind of elephant? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I've got nothing, really. Um, so, this game is a
1: Formula One racing game, which is kind of a specific subgenre of racing games. Uh, this is not a, a form of racing that I've ever really like dug much into. Formula One racing is one of those things where like it's popular basically everywhere in the world except for america it's like the soccer of racing basically (laughs) i was
0: just gonna say so yeah
1: so (laughs) yeah i don't really have a lot of like cultural background for the for this as a thing but yeah i don't know that that really matters that much when it comes to this game because this is a a fairly straightforward racing game um do you want to talk about where this comes from and who made it before we we talk about that the game itself
0: yeah yeah so this is uh this comes to us courtesy of Seta, not Sega, who I think I talked about in our Nolan Ryan episode and probably made that same joke. Not sure how in-depth I went into the Seta Corporation, but I'll give a brief overview here. I'm not entirely sure when they were founded. Wikipedia says 1985, Moby Games says 1982, but they didn't release the first game until 1985. In any case, their first game was probably 1985's Hon Shogi Naito Kyudan Shogi Hiden which is a Shogi game. If you don't know what Shogi is, it's basically a Japanese chess. Uh, Seda released a good amount of games for the NES, Super NES, and a whole bunch of other systems very late into the 2000s. They also worked on a somewhat noteworthy project in Japan, the ALEC-64 arcade architecture which was built on the n64 console so they basically collaborated with nintendo to make what was essentially a nintendo 64 arcade system and uh, they released some games on that between uh, 1998 and 2003 and then a ruse entertainment now called universal entertainment core acquired sata in 1999 and sadly, Sata would become a victim of the 2008 financial crisis, which forced their parent company to shutter Sata in early 2009.
1: So, uh, no more no more shogi games for for anybody at least at least not from them.
0: So that brings us to right here and now. Well, I mean, you know, in the context of this podcast, anyway. F1, um, you know, it's it's all right. It's got 16 real world tracks represented here, uh, based on tracks that were raced in F1 events in 1991. Uh, according to a game fact that I read though, they are not in the same order that those events happened because they were kind of for the game, they were going more for like which tracks would be like easier to race on and were trying to make a progressive difficulty, which makes sense. Yeah,
1: I think that was the right decision, probably. um this this game also has a pretty extensive car upgrading system uh, where you win money for races and then can use that to buy new parts for a variety of different parts of your car. Um, you know, everything from chassis to engines, suspensions, nitro boosters, new wheels, all of that. Um, it it, uh, it does include kind of a training mode where you have a giant pot of cash to spend and you can just sort of trick out your car however you want, and then do some some practice races with that. Um, I guess just to see how different upgrades handle. I can't say I thought that was that useful, because I don't really think there's like a tremendous amount of difference in the car handling, regardless of what you have installed on the car, at least as far as I could tell. But uh, I could be wrong about From
0: that. From reading the fact, it seems like some upgrades are uh, not nearly as useful as others. Like uh, the guy was talking about, like, there's one kind of breaks where it's like, the, the difference is so minuscule that you should just skip that one altogether and just go for the good breaks, you know, when you've got enough money and stuff like that. So I, you know, it, it's all trial and error. And, and if you're, you know, an, a big F1 fan and are looking for that sort of thing specifically, you know, this might be, you know, in your wheelhouse.
1: So, I have to say, I appreciate that this game does use, like, the real-world tracks. I think that's pretty cool, but I don't think that the presentation of this game does a good job of selling the fantasy of driving an F1 car. Yeah, I agree. So for one thing, this, this is a, a Mode 7 game. This is essentially the same the same vein as F0 or uh, what we will be playing pretty soon in the future, Mario Kart, where you have kind of a behind-the-car perspective on your F1 car as it goes around these big Mode 7 bitmap tracks. But I, I think like the way the cars are rendered, they look really tiny and ugly. They're barely recognizable as F1 cars. Like, they look so small on the the tracks and and don't really animate much. Right away, the visual aspect isn't really there. And also, the way this game feels to play, it doesn't really feel that different from F-Zero, frankly. Like, it feels sort of like a 0 with with sort of poor handling and a few extra sort of aspects to it, like gear shifting and stuff. There just doesn't really feel like there's a lot going on here that that is like distinctive or interesting you
0: know what the the car to me kind of looked like maybe a, a slightly better looking car model from like the old taito arcade game pole position or something like quick correction there past me said taito made pole position uh no namco made pole position not sure what i was thinking of there it really was not impressive at all.
1: Yes, it does kind of look like that, yeah. It's really not good. And they're, they're F1 cars, so they all look very similar anyway, but they all look kind of identical. Like, there's minor color variation, but overall, it's just a very drab-looking game. We, we do... Also need to mention the way this game sounds because, for one thing, there is no music during races. Um, all you have are very, very loud engine sounds, and it, it's honestly just kind of a miserable experience. Like the the auditory experience, this game is is really not good.
0: Yeah, I, I can't believe that they like just didn't put music in the actual driving parts of the game like that feels like it must have been a purposeful attempt to like focus on the engine noises and everything but i just but the engine noises are not good like the engine noises for one thing don't sound that realistic they're very
1: kind of tinny and very video gamey so they neither sound realistic nor do they sound pleasant like they just sound it's just this constant endless like drone of of the engine basically yeah it just doesn't really work at all
0: Game also it lets you save up to four profiles, but there's no multiplayer option. So only uh, si- only single player. You're really
1: playing this to play through kind of the gauntlet of F1 courses that are in the game. If you run
0: into a wall or another car, your car will sustain damage, and uh, if you get too much, you may want to pit in the middle of the race so that you can repair the damage. Otherwise, you might end up losing some money because you needed to repair the damage after the race or whatever. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how that works because I, I didn't engage with it a whole lot. But. I
1: think you're right. Um, basically, yeah, there's you know you get you get money deducted from your your total prize winnings
0: if you have a have a damaged car. Yeah, but you don't have to worry about fuel. Curiously enough, in this game, so. you
1: don't. You uh there there's no there's no aspect of that here. Um
0: I don't think I had much else to say about this one, did no, you? No,
1: I I don't really either. I think I've kind of said every thought that came into my head while I was playing this game.
0: Yeah, I, I think to sum it up, like, if you are looking specifically for Formula One on the Super Nintendo, this is fine. But if you're looking for like a racing game, I think literally every other racing game that we've talked about so far is better than this one.
1: I would go a step further and say if you're looking for a Formula One game on the Super Nintendo, just make peace with the sci-fi setting and just play F-Zero instead, because it's a better representation of this type <laughs> of gameplay than this is. So, um, And it has good music and better graphics. That probably does undersell aspects of this game a bit, but yeah, I was not terribly impressed with this well
0: so if we go over to the list right now i think our lowest ranked racing game is actually f-zero at number 14 wow okay um
1: so obviously we're gonna be going down from there i think
0: yeah yeah which i mean like is it's kind of a weird thing because it's it's f-zero but also like i think it's just a testament to how good and how much fun some of these racing games have been
1: i'm, I'm honestly i'm looking sort of towards the like the bottom third of the list here Um, You know, there's, there's a a span of games where there's not really, they're not really terrible. They're not bad even really. They're just not that good or remarkable. And maybe they've got a few real missteps, but. um, So
0: what's one of them that you're looking at in that group? Like just to use as a starting point.
1: I'm actually looking at the little clump of sports games in the fifties, the Nolan Ryan's baseball, Jack Nicklaus golf, and super bases loaded. Ooh, way down there, huh? I mean, would you go higher than this?
0: Well, I mean, right out of the gate, I would say, like, I think I like this better than, say, Super Adventure Island at number 51.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um, I can actually go with that, too. So if we go up from there, then I would personally not put this above Super Tennis. I think that's my ceiling for this. I'm okay with that. Anywhere kind of in there, you know, in, in sort of, like, the range from, like, Super Adventure Island at 51 up to Super Tennis at 47. I'm pretty comfortable putting it somewhere in there.
0: I think I would put it below Super Baseball Simulator 1000 cuz I I still think that's kind of you know maybe the most interesting take on baseball thus far. Yeah,
1: I think that's that's true.
0: Help me remember what on earth Ride Tread was. <laughs> that
1: was a that was a vertical shooter um It was fine, kind of choppy, very kind of no frills as far as it goes, but it was okay for what it was, essentially. Uh, It did at least have music, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Extra Innings, that was the kind of cute chibi baseball, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, that one had a Had a nice look to it, at least.
0: You know what? Maybe this one just goes right above Super Adventure Island. Maybe that's where it goes. All
1: right. Um, I'm good with that. Okay. Let's go ahead and put it there. And F1 ROC Race of Champions is racing right into the number 51 slot. So, uh, sorry, F1 ROC. You didn't actually make it into the top 50, but you got close.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid you failed to qualify. (laughs) That's a racing term probably
1: yeah probably we know about that sport um or that that field of competition
0: you'd call Mm -hmm. racing a
1: sport wouldn't you
0: motorsport motorsports is oh you know yes if if we have the word esports i'm okay with the word motorsports sure all right all right i guess uh we're just gonna move on then to uh our last game of the day it's coming in your face
1: baseball 2000 baseball 2000. Now this one I know does have some real history behind it. So, Oh yeah. I'm just going to sit back and kind of let you, uh, let you take us
0: through that. Uh, and then we'll talk about this game. Okay. Well, baseball 2000 started life as a game on the Atari ST called MIDI maze in 1987. The game takes place in a maze as you might guess from the title Uh, The player takes on the perspective of their avatar in the maze, making it one of the first commercially available first-person shooters, as well as making it the first FPS that could connect to a network. Uh, Using the Atari ST's built-in MIDI ports, the game could support up to 16 players, which was a pretty amazing feat at the time, seeing as how that's not what the MIDI ports were actually made to do. Um, They kind of used some little hacks and stuff and workarounds to make them function like that, to set up basically a LAN network and play 16-player baseball across multiple Atari STs. Uh, It was a pretty cool thing. That is extremely cool. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, even way back
1: into the history of video games, people were already looking for ways to uh, just, just... kill each other in games
0: pretty much yeah anyway the the game was developed by xanth software fx company that produced pretty much just mini maze faceball 2000 and a submarine sim called gato which was released in 1984 on various home computers um those three things pretty much all they did uh the first faceball 2000 port Actually came out on the Game Boy in 1991. For uh, for the Game Boy release, it could actually benefit from the Game Boy's Link cable and uh, specifically the four-player adapter. Uh, according to a Reddit thread that I found, there were plans for a 16-player adapter that Bulletproof Software, the publisher of Baseball 2000, was going to uh, create and pack in with the Game Boy version of the game. But unfortunately, that got scrapped. So we were forever denied 16-player Game Boy Baseball. But uh, you can still play four-player matches, though. So that brings us to this game, which was also made by Bulletproof Software on the Super Nintendo um, versions of Faceball 2000, came out on the Game Gear and TurboGrafx CD systems as well, for some reason. So, unfortunately the Super Nintendo does not handle this game well. Um, This is not a system that was designed for a first-person shooter and it really shows here. You can really, really tell, yeah. Beyond
1: the fact that this loses kind of the main appeal of this game, which is like playing with a big group of of other people in Deathmatch, it's very slow, it's very choppy, the game is sort of, you know, I, I guess this is probably a thing that was the case for all versions of this, but the game basically takes place in like kind of a small window within the screen it's slow and sort of ponderous in a way that that makes it not really very much fun to actually play
0: you know i was watching some footage of this game uh on game boy as well as watching uh midi maze you know i was noticing some things like when i was playing the SNES version Like a thing that was really annoying to me was whenever I fired a shot at one of the other faces, like the projectile – is so large on your screen. It fills the screen. Yeah, this was not a problem that um, MidiMaze Maze had at all. That's
1: interesting because that's one of my big problems with this game is that aspect of it, where like every time you fire, you just lose visibility for like a second.
0: Yeah, and also I just feel like the animations for like your projectile moving, well, not necessarily animations, but like where it is being placed on the game field, like all of that stuff just moved a lot smoother on the other versions of this game, it all feels very choppy. Like when you look around, like the camera moves well enough, you know, like that, I was pretty impressed with. That
1: looks all right, but just any other things moving in the maze look really, really flickery and really choppy. And it it actually does make it kind of hard to like line up shots and like hit things with your, with your bullets in this. So the way this game is structured is it starts off with a few very simple kind of training levels. And then it... it you know, puts you into kind of more challenging situations with different enemies and as soon as I reached those more challenging enemies in the first set of quote unquote real levels, um, I just got rolled. You know, I just could not keep up with the game because of how choppy it was.
0: And while I do find it humorous whenever you get knocked out, the little robot voice saying, Have a nice day.
1: Have a nice day.
0: You know, that, that's kind of funny, but, you know, it gets old after a while because, yeah, I was kind of having the same problem. Like, once I got to tougher enemies, like, I, w- I just didn't stand a chance. Um, which is why, you know, like, this game's bread and butter was probably being played in little land competitions against other people. Like, that's, that would be just more fun. And, yeah, because the Super Nintendo can't do that, it, it can't even do it as well as the Game Boy did, you know? Like, which is remarkable, yeah. The Game Boy, at least you still had four players going at it, whereas on this, you know, you you can only play a two-player match if you want to do multiplayer, and you're stuck on the same screen.
1: The two of us did actually play this multiplayer um, together, and it's honestly just not that much fun. Like, the maps are not—like, the, the choppiness uh, is still a problem there. You're both on the same screen, and having just two people in one of these mazes is not really enough to make it feel very different than— the experience of just playing the game single player. There's not really much to the level design either. As far as I can tell, basically each level is a differently laid out maze. That's full of enemies. You have to kill a certain number of enemies to open a portal that will take you to the next level. And that's essentially it. First group of enemies look basically kind of like slightly 3d ish Pac-Man characters and then you're you're faced with uh s- several kind of minor variations of those that move faster and can shoot faster at you and that's that's kind of the game honestly
0: you know th- this game doesn't do much to like pump up the the production values of the original mini maze i mean With the original mini maze, like, it's not surprising, given the game's vintage, that all the walls of the mazes are featureless. Um, You know, they they, they would have had to be back then. This game, you know, kind of gives you, like, a little skybox over the maze, which is kind of all right. You know, it's kind of neat, but it doesn't do much else than that. Um, Even, like, the little transitional uh, cards between levels. Like, hey, do you like gradients? Because we've got gradients for you. Yeah, right? Lots and lots of just... Plain old gradients.
1: Inexplicably, each of these levels is taking place in a different city. So you'll have like Honolulu and Seattle and a bunch of different ones, but they all kind of look the same. Like, I don't really know what they were going for with that as, as, you know, kind of a, a... you know dressing on this because yeah it really doesn't add anything yeah i
0: definitely don't feel like i was noticing like any landmarks from any of these cities but maybe i just wasn't paying attention too to be I honest i mean i kind I of know.
1: tried to pay attention and i couldn't really see anything either it's all kind of generic cityscapes in the background yeah this this is just not really a particularly viable version of this game,
0: honestly. It really makes me wonder like why they even thought it was a good idea to bring this to the Super Nintendo. Like with the Game Boy it makes sense because you've got the link cables, you can even if it's a scaled down version of what it did on the Atari ST, you can still do essentially what this game did on the Atari ST that you just can't do on the SNES.
1: Yeah, I mean I I guess they must have thought that like the novelty of it being a first person shooter was enough. But unfortunately it really isn't like it probably wasn't enough in in 1992 and it's really not enough now. You know, it's hard to say that there's any really good first person shooters on the Super Nintendo as far as I know, but even like the extremely compromised port of Doom that shows up much later in the system's library uh is is a better is a better time than this.
0: Well, the thing is too that you have to keep in mind is like doom came out in what nineteen ninety three this came out in nineteen eighty seven i mean this yeah, is this like, is
1: an archaic game you know for the time even it's an archaic game
0: it's a five year old game that's been ported without much you know fanfare or polish that also loses its most important feature and again not even cannot even live up to or measure up to its Game Boy counterpart.
1: Yeah, I mean, even the music. the The Super Nintendo version of this game has its own soundtrack, um, but the soundtrack is not as good. You were saying as the Game Boy one, right? Like you, you actually said you preferred the Game Boy soundtrack to this
0: one. Yeah, you know, I'll play maybe like a little track from the Game Boy version right now. And we'll let the listener decide, because we've probably been playing baseball music at least once or twice uh, throughout this. So, well, um, I'm looking at this list right now. And so so this is a game that I really question why this needed to be on the Super NES. Yes. And you know another game that I've had that question about that we've talked about recently? What? Clue. Yeah, okay. And Clue is down there at number 62, it looks like. So what do you think about this matchup? Do you think this game is better or worse than Clue?
1: So on the one hand, I think Clue beats this one into next week with uh, with its presentation. Yes, absolutely. Like, I don't think there's any comparison there. Clue does have the problem where the basic act of playing that game is compromised by the fact that it's a video game that's all on one screen. I guess the question is whether whether that's a bigger problem than the fact that baseball has so little going on in terms of like, what you can
0: actually do in this version of the game. I mean, at the very least, like, Clue accommodates way more players than Baseball does.
1: Yeah, I've got to say, I think this is probably a worse game than Clue. I, I think so, too. But right below that, we've got Gary Kitchen's Super Battle Tank War in the Gulf, which also is not a terrible matchup for this one. No, it isn't. You know, I think Gary Kitchen. There, there is more to do in that game. You know, there's, there's different setups, different level layouts that are are meaningfully different. I still don't think that game's very fun, and I am super skeeved out by its overall kind of aesthetic and and. You know what it is.
0: To me, it almost does come down to the politics of it because I think, like, as a product, like Gary Kitchen Super Battle Tank is better put together. Like, I, I think that. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I think I like the the controls a little bit more. I, I think, it, like, yeah, I don't actually. I don't even know if I would go that far now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, it, I
1: definitely had a lot of trouble controlling Super Battle Tank, so I yeah. I don't know that it actually wins the controls matchup, but I do think there's at least. You know, more actual game there than there is in this one. But, you know, I also really don't like the way that game looks or, or sounds or, you know, feels to play. So. I you um, know, baseball
0: does at least have a two player option where Gary yeah, Kirsten's Super had, Battle Tank does it. And granted, like, for good reason. Well, I don't know I that don't... you'd
1: really expect that of, of Super Battle Tank. But, um, you know, I do think at least uh, baseball has a little bit of, like, kind of endearing personality. You know, um, the, the the whole, like, kind of, you know, smiley face aesthetic is kind of fun. The have a nice day messages. Have a nice day!
0: Well, it, it's, it's kind of ironic in a way, right? Like, Yeah, right, double... right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know,
1: have a nice day as we all shoot each other with Nerf balls or whatever, yeah. I think maybe I actually do like faceball a little more than Gary Kitchen's Super Battle Tank.
0: In in one game you've got gradients as your interstitials and the other you've got army guys standing there as your interstitial. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather yeah. probably stare at a colorful gradient than an army guy probably, so.
1: That's probably true, yeah. Um so yeah, what do you say about putting Baseball 2000 between Clue and Gary Kitchen's Super Battle Tank War in the Gulf at position number 63 on the list?
0: I think I feel pretty good about that. I wonder, 63, I wonder if that's, uh, if that's the lowest debut thus far for any game it that we've had on this list. It might
1: be because a lot of the other ones that are this low on the list have been around for a while, mm-hmm. so they've, they've fallen considerably. I'm,
0: I'm trying to think now, what do we have, uh, how many games do we have on our list now? Uh,
1: 77 games 77. on the list right now. Right. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, it'll be interesting once we actually start getting games that are, like, debuting at level 70 or lower.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're
0: getting very close to 100 games on this list. I, I just realized wow I'm, ex- I'm excited
1: yeah no after next week we'll be at 80 which yeah like that's so many games we've played a lot of games we, we have
0: we've played a lot of games uh some of them briefly mu- some much more briefly than others but uh again this, this is a lot of games i don't know what you guys are expecting from us
1: unfortunately this week was a little bit of a down week. We didn't really have a lot of positive stuff to say about any of these games, really. Even Axelay, which I think was the game we liked the most. Oh, so I mean, we have to put Axelay
0: on the cover for this one.
1: I guess you could just put like the faceball face.
0: Yeah, I'm doing that.
1: Yeah, face it up. You got a <laughs> face, use it.
0: I want his face face-ball. ball. <laughs> face-ball. Folks, we're, we're we're losing it here. Uh, we better we
1: better wrap. We, we got to get out of here uh, before we do any any more ill advised Nicholas Cage impressions, because uh, they're just they're fun and it's like Pringles. Once you pop, you don't stop. Uh, so, what are we doing next time? What are our games for the next episode? Steampunk Link.
0: Next time, we've got Dino City. I have no idea what that is. Or is it Dinosity? I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! Oh yeah, you know what? I think I like that better. Dinosity. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that's what we're calling it now. I don't even care. <laughs> um, George Foreman's KO boxing, which will be fun. Um, I, I I love grilling. Yeah, delicious. <laughs> And finally, folks, we got Super Mario Kart over here.
1: Well, that's that's exciting. I'm excited to see where we place that in the continuum of what we've got on the list so far. We were just talking about how, aside from uh, F1 ROC, uh, racing games have been a a pretty good field for us. Uh, so Super Mario Kart is is coming into a world where it actually has some legitimately other very good games to, uh, to compete against.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to say right out of the gate, like not having played the game in a very long time. So I, I will reserve my final judgment, obviously, for next time after I have played it. But I don't know that it will be the number one racing game on this list next week i don't know because
1: yeah i mean our top rated racing game uh, right now is top gear and i really liked that game i genuinely really did so yeah i think
0: that's gonna do it um so uh, yeah anything else you wanted to say or emmy or are you good no i'm i'm good i've said my piece all right well i guess we'll leave it there so until next time folks thanks for listening i'm steampunk link
1: i'm emmy zero
0: play it loud Our intro-outro song is How Now, Brown Cow by TechnoAxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at TechnoAxe.com. That's T-E-K-N-O-A-X-E.com. You know, with, with a lot of media, people just immediately think, all right, how do we put porn on this? But we're gamers, so we immediately think, how do we murder each other with it?
1: To be fair, I think we did the porn first and then we moved on to this one. So,
0: you know, did we? Oh, uh, that'll have to be its own episode now. But uh, yeah. I digress. That'll be uh, that. We'll have to put an explicit tag on that one.
1: Yeah, that'll, that'll be snescapades. <laughs> escapades. after dark.
0: <laughs> there uh, we go. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. When we start that Patreon, uh, that'll be that'll be the bonus yeah, episode there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only half joking about this now. <laughs> anyway,
1: that oh, went somewhere.